One year on. I sat at the wooden seat on a couple of wrought iron chairs a couple of years ago, brushed down the back and legs, but couldn't make up my mind about the colour. I love restoring things and making them pretty again, but I did not have the strength to do them, so lay them aside for another time. I looked back at last year and read the December 13th post called I Have Hope. I had forgotten how breathy I used to get when doing the podcast. It was probably nerves to be recording and going public, but it was also quite possibly because I left it to the end of the day when I was not at my best. Trying to catch a quiet time without interruptions from street noise was tricky. The soundproofing is not that soundproof. I've learned to let it go and not be too fussed about background noise. As long as I speak clearly and there are no domestics, barking dogs, revving cars or braking tracks, it is usable. It is good to see how far I've progressed. I barely have any breathy recordings now. I did not enjoy reading the post. It brought to mind the struggle that I had to do things. I felt like deleting it. I'm not like that now, and it makes me feel a bit on edge. It is probably too soon to be philosophical about that time when I was still recuperating. It took so long. I hated the physical weakness. It is so limiting. My sister used to hold out two fingers in front of her in the sign of a cross to ward off bad luck. And I have it on my mind to be careful and not push things too far in case it should revisit. I've got a few wrought iron furniture and railings to restore and have been sanding and cutting out rust for two days. I love my man-sized tools. They make it so much easier to do the work. I've littered the backyard with things in various stages of drying. The cats have been around to sniff at them, but the strong smell of chemicals drove them away. The oil-based undercoat takes a while to dry, and I've left them out overnight again with the second coat. It may be only an undercoat, but oh my goodness, the iron looks stunning. It has a glossy black sheen, which makes them really stand out, and I've decided to paint the top coat black as well. I was going to varnish the wooden seats, but have decided to paint them black, so that the chairs are fully weatherproof. If I don't like it, it's easy enough to change. The patio is getting a makeover too. It is amazing what a fresh look of paint can do. Even the barbecue is getting a fresh coat of black to tone in with the railing and furniture. I toss some outdoor lamps out 
but have a few in boxes that have never been opened. I still have to pace myself, but I am so grateful that I have more strength. I'm especially glad about it because I have a few more jobs lined up. I bought some hanging baskets to add to the updated and improved patio and look forward to putting some new flowers in. Though, strawberries would go nicely there. I could sit in my chair beneath the basket, pluck a strawberry or two, and dunk them in chocolate. Dexter is leaving. My neighbour is moving. Do you know how upsetting that is for me? Does he even care? How inconsiderate and inconvenient. I mean, when you live in a neighbourhood, you like to know where you stand with people. It takes a bit of time getting to know them, but you do it, and I did. We yarned to each other over the fence, for goodness sakes. We shared recipes. I fed him a couple of times, because that's what good neighbourly sorts do. He asked my opinion about many important issues, like the type of flowers that I liked, what colours matched my pink house. He painted his house dark grey, as well he should, because it is the perfect match for my pink. He asked my opinion about so many things, and I had an answer for him every time. I don't think he realises how much of an effort I made to make certain that we got off on the right foot. It can be difficult being friendly and helpful. You don't want to be thought of as nosy or a chatterbox that is taking up too much of their time, especially when it's their day off, and you have every day off yourself, and I'm not talkative or gossipy. I think I struck a near-perfect balance of being the caring, friendly neighbour who knew enough about him that I could have gossiped like blue blazers if I wanted, but did not. I'm an excellent neighbour who respects him and gives him his space. I just share a few details every day on the blog. But after all my hard work, he's leaving. I feel like I've been taken for granted. I took the time to find out enough about him so that I didn't pee him off. I even asked what his favourite brew was, so that I could have him over for drinks sometime. Though I can't remember what it is at the moment, I sort of make a point of it every time I move house, because you hope like crazy that they'll cut you some slack when you have a loud, rip-roaring party. You have to invite them over at least once or twice a year to keep in sweet with them. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You cultivate friendly, but not too friendly relations. You don't want to have them over so much that you get sick of the sight of them, or them you. You live too close to want to risk that. 
getting in good with your neighbours just makes sense. But he's taking his cat, and I'm not happy about that. Dexter comes over to my place every day because he's lonely. He is here more often than he is there because I'm home and his daddy is not. And I'm allergic to cats, but I make an allowance for that little puddy. I should have some sort of ownership sharing rights, don't you think? I wonder if I need a lawyer for that. Okay, so I had a wine with him and his housemate tonight. So he offered me my choice of trees that he planted last year, and this, except for his magnolia, which he's taking. So he's got some spare insulation lying around, which he doesn't need, and thought I might be able to make use of. So his housemate's dog, which I talk to over the fence, because it howls when it's at home alone, came and sat beside me and wanted to talk to me when I was talking. So they realised that I could be a babysitter, because the dog is better with me than with anyone else. And I'm still allergic. So he asked me if I wanted some other things that he has and doesn't want to bother taking. Like a palm tree and a jacaranda and some herbs and flowers. So he offered to send me a few bottles of his parents' olive oil from the orchard, which I love. He needn't think that I've forgotten that he's taking Dexter away. All that he's forgiven? No. Not by a long shot, matey. I'm the good neighbour here, and he's darn lucky to have me. Made in Italy I was looking for a bottle of my favourite tipple. The one I would take when I was hiking at New Year's. I looked along the bottom shelves and up through the middle to the top. I followed the shelves around the corner. I did not need it chilled, and thus had not bothered to check the chillers. But when it was nowhere to be found, I became more than a little disturbed. It was not an expensive wine, and if it was difficult to find this early before Christmas Day, the chance of finding the shelves stocked in time for New Year's could be slim. I enjoy Riesling and Pinot Gris and Champers with strawberries, but prefer Asti Riccadonna for New Year's. I cannot see myself drinking anything else as much as I like the other whites in summer, the reds I usually had in winter, drinking Asti had become something of a tradition for me. I love turkey for New Year's dinner and cook it on the barbecue with lots of veggies. But I especially look forward to having a bottle of Asti and scorched almonds at the end of the year. My heart sank with the thought that I might not be able to find it. 
I like more than one, and I wondered why I had not stocked up on a few of them. I knew the answer as soon as I thought it, because I would have drunk them several times over by now with a few others that enjoyed it too. I was about to give up when it crossed my mind that there were some empty-looking shelves that might not actually be empty. I stood a few steps back so that I could see and saw the distinctive fat bottom of a familiar green bottle with a pretty cursive writing on a white label. I stretched and stood on tiptoe but could not reach the shelf let alone the bottle. It was farther back by the wall. I did what I usually do and looked around for someone tall. As luck would have it, a tall lanky teenager came around the corner. I smiled as winningly as I could and asked if he could fetch the bottle for me. He pulled it out easily at that moment, a woman asked if she could have it. He gave it to me, and she asked for another. I might have asked that too, but left it for her. She wanted more, but there did not seem to be any. She and I spotted a couple on a higher shelf, and the young guy grabbed a platform trolley. The woman's eyes sparkled as she spun around to me. I am Italian, and these are from Italy. They are such a great price here. I am so happy to find Asti, New Zealand. Do you know they come from Italy? They are very good. I never thought I would find it here. I did not have the heart to tell her that New Zealand had stocked it for decades. Her enthusiasm was hard to deny. She had come in especially for it. She took the two bottles from the teenager and chortled happily. Holding them up in the air, she beamed at him. I can't believe it, she said. I'm so happy to have found them here. These are for genuine Asti from home and you have them here in New Zealand. Do you know how lucky you are? I do now, I said. I am Italian, and these are from home. Then you would know, I said. She was so much happier than I could ever be. But I was happy for her and me. The New Zealand-China relationship head south. I don't know why anyone would be surprised. China has never particularly cared to keep in sweet with any country, unless it suited. To be fair, most countries do the same, though they are probably a bit more diplomatic in the way that they treat each other. China is not in the habit of apologising or bending to accommodate anyone. 
it knows that it is bleak. Foreigners and their policies are of no concern to the People's Republic of China. They never have been, and they never will, no matter what spin anyone puts on it. Jacinda Ardern, our Prime Minister, was supposed to be going to China next year, but that has been cancelled. Pulling out of a planned meeting does not do any favours for New Zealand, not while the tit-for-tat arrests have been happening between China and Canada. Canada arrested a Huawei representative, as requested by the US. China repaid in kind by arresting three Canadians. You can bet the sleeping dragon is fully alert and sharpening its talons. There is no way it will let little old New Zealand get away with flexing its muscles and rejecting Huawei's involvement with our 5G. China is offended at being accused of hacking into any country's secrets, though it seems the US has proof of numerous attempts and has detained two Chinese men who hacked information of Navy personnel. Some say that there is no proof, but the Chinese government established a law that gives it wide powers to seek and obtain information. Spying is a given with China, and they will use any means possible to achieve information. It would be a mistake to think that it would not. The NSA is the intelligence division of the US Defense Department, and similarly to China, spies on its own citizens through various ways, including devices like mobile phones and TVs. I suspect most countries track and record their people. It seems to be the way today. Recently, Winston Peters, the New Zealand First Leader and Deputy Prime Minister, appealed to the US to take a more active role here in the South Pacific. China has planes with anti-submarine weapons on board and has become more active here. Really? There is no threat and no one here but us small fry. Talk about weapons overload. Peters does not trust China. I don't blame him. That country is ruled with an iron hand, and it has an unhealthy disrespect for all but its own advancement. The anti-submarine guns are a dead giveaway that China has more on its mind than sea rescue operations. Wall money. I do not have any interest in arguing about the matter. I'm just being practical. I've been to the border between the US and Mexico. 
I like both countries. Most Americans I know do not want to pay taxes to support illegal immigrants. Those who sneak across the border have their own country to support them. To me it is simple. Stop them getting across. A wall would help. It worked in Berlin, though that was heavily guarded. Increase the border patrol numbers with legal immigrants or US citizens. Job done. My opinion is unbiased. If nobody wants a wall because of the aesthetics, is there an alternative? When two countries are so close together, there is not a lot that you can do about it. You do not want another war. Whatever you choose to put along the border to keep non-US citizens away will take manpower and money. The Democrats are fighting Trump, but are they stopping him merely because he annoys them, or is there a genuine reason for opposing him? From here, it just looks silly. Kids in a playground often scrap because that's what they do. There is no reason for it. Is it about the money? Five billion sounds like a lot of money, and it is, for an individual. Is it because of the level of debt the US has? Almost $20 trillion. That sounds like a lot for an individual or a country like mine, New Zealand. But that's peanuts for a wealthy country like the US, which has about $130 trillion of assets, not to mention the constant income of taxes from all its people. A $30 trillion debt is barely anything in comparison to what the US government has. The military are already in full service to their country, and I know that Trump wanted to make use of them. Let's face it, border security is a risky job, and it can be fairly remote. You need trained people to be able to handle themselves. That part is pretty straightforward. I don't understand what the hold-up is for the wall. If stopping illegal immigrants and drug trafficking is not an issue, then the president is flat out wrong and the five billion is not needed. However, I don't think that is the case here. Look, it's nobody's business but the American public's for what is happening in their country. But as an outsider who has no say on the matter, that is my take on it. Here's hoping the government shutdown ends soon and the 800,000 federal employees get their pay for Christmas. Sharing a little festive cheer. There are certain foods that are only available at Christmas and I like to indulge. I don't make a habit of it. 
and am aware that the calories have increased since the festive season began. I've done well up until yesterday and have not fudged the numbers when adding food to my daily record. I've kept a record of what I ate for three years. Initially, it was to make sure that I ate, but also to keep track of what made me feel ill. The temptation to cheat is there at the moment, because of all the rich food of a yuletide, but there is no point in watching my food if I'm not doing it properly. Some people I know can eat all day, every day, and never put an ounce on, and they are hardly ever sick. I wish I was like that. There were days when I could not stand the smell of food and fell back on eating fresh veggies and fruit. I prepared Christmas dinner for yesterday and was worried that there might not be enough. But when the bottomless stomachs of growing preteen and teenage boys cannot handle the morsel more, and there is a ton left over, I have to admit that I may have done a tad too much. Thank goodness more family dropped by today and helped to make room in the fridge and cake tins. Christmas is a time to celebrate, and especially so with friends and family. But I wonder if I should dial it back a bit. I wanted to celebrate and love doing all the preparations, but feel conflicted by the excesses of the season. Even in the midst of the laughter and good cheer, I could not help looking outside to see if there was anyone that could have done with a little cheer themselves. I'll take another look tomorrow. I know I'm very blessed and am conscious that so many are without at this time of the year. I'd like to give to someone who cannot give anything in return. Winding down after Christmas. It's the end of Christmas Day and I'm already missing the Christmas tree. Oh, it is still set up in the lounge, and the lights are all a-twinkle, but I am not looking forward to dismantling it, or to putting the decorations away for another year. The house seems so much better with the tree up, more hopeful and friendly somehow. I feel a lot brighter with it around, and everyone who visits seems perkier too. It could be that with so many Christmas goodies on offer, it is the season that we munch our way through. Honestly, I'd forgotten how much emphasis there is placed on food when friends and family come together. I'm not really complaining. 
it has been extremely enjoyable. But when the Christmas tree comes down after New Year's, work begins immediately on getting rid of any excess gained. Merry Christmas to you and yours. US Dad Posts Want Ad Three New Zealand Wives for Three Sons An American couple from Oregon on holiday in New Zealand for a couple of weeks are hoping to pick up more than a tan while they're here. Neil said that he would like three nice New Zealand daughters for his single, handsome and successful sons. He placed an ad in the New Zealand Herald almost a week ago and received free airplay on TV One's News Tonight. Two sons seem amused that their father would want to play Cupid, but a third did not appreciate it. You can't blame him. The poor guy. Fancy travelling for a day to get to a far-off country, only to find that your father had plastered your face and details across the nation's newspaper and was trying to marry you off. Neil says that all his friends have grandkids and he wants some of his own. They have received about 500 responses with offers to visit people at their homes. The holiday season might not be the best time for wife hunting. Considering the exposure the ad has received, those figures are a bit low. Come on, women of New Zealand, step up and help those poor guys out. Their daddy wants some mockles. I'm pretty sure your daddies won't mind, as long as you and the mockles come home for Christmas every couple of years or so.